Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Okay, well, we are around in the corner here. We've got uh, tonight and then one more session uh, in the book of Revelation, and then we will have uh, done the marathon journey here, people. Uh, Okay, well, I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into uh, tonight's session. Notes should be being passed around, already passed around. What's happening there? I'm not real sure, but something good's going to be happening. Father, we just ask you tonight in the name of Jesus for your help so that the book of Revelation would just make so much sense and that clarity would rest on us tonight. And that as we uh, talk a little bit about the book of Acts and its connection, we pray that you would help us to see it, that your spirit would illuminate the scriptures, that you would make it clear. Holy Spirit, we're looking to you. Let the word of God speak loudly tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Tonight, in our study on the book of Revelation, this one's entitled, The End Time Book of Acts. Now, I want to encourage you to go on the journey. Maybe tonight is the start. I want to encourage you to go on the journey of beginning to see the uh, book of Revelation as a second book of Acts, but this time as a book of Acts in the future. And we're going to talk a little bit about the book of Acts, and we're going to talk a little bit about how it's connected. But as we're wrapping up this season of uh, time, looking at the book of Revelation, I think that this is uh, one of the more important takeaways, is that we would get a new lens related to the book of Revelation. Uh, It's fine to see it as the end time book. It certainly is. I just don't think we often see it as another book of Acts. And I think that we would do well to see it that way. And uh, it's the entirety, or the, the point of the book of Acts was always to tell us the end time battle strategy. It was always to tell us the future. I mean, even from verse 1, Revelation 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, to show his servants the future. That's the point of the book of, uh, of Revelation. But when we talk about the, the subject of the book of Acts and we see what that was, I think we're going to see some really um, powerful parallels that I believe were always intended for the last generation to perceive. It just, since it wasn't the last generation before, it wasn't really much on the radar. But I think now we can find some really strong uh, parallels that can be very helpful to us with that thought process in mind that the book of Revelation is to tell the church the future, to give us the end time battle strategy, to tell us what we're going to do, to tell us what's going to happen in the future. And I want us to focus tonight on the church, not on the events that are going to happen, not on, you know, the, the major themes of Revelation. I want us to talk about it as revelatory information from God to the church about the future. And with that thought process in mind, I want to go back in time. And I want you to imagine if you were the, one of the apostles and you're part of the leadership team of the church and there's never been a the church before. A minute ago, before the day of Pentecost, there was never a the church. 
That term had never been used. There wasn't the, the, the grid work for that. There were followers of Jesus. There were, you know, uh, uh, disciples of the Messiah. But this idea of an institution called the church was not on anybody's radar. It was not something anybody was thinking about just one minute before it became a thing. Now, I want you to imagine you are going to be one of the leaders of that, Okay. And you're told a decade ahead of time, I'm just making up some you know, time frames here and some, some ideas, you're told a decade ahead of time by an angel, hey, hey you, kind of wake up from your sleep, you're going to be what's called an apostle in a minute. <laughs> Okay, I don't really know that term. Well, just know you're going to lead the church. Okay, I don't really know that term. Well, there's this thing. It's going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened ever. And you're going to be a part of it. And I'm going to give you the entire novel ahead of time. It's called the book of Acts. You're going to see your name in there. You're going to like see stuff you're going to do. You're going to like be a part of this. You're going to, you're going to know the day of Pentecost before it happens. What's the day of Pentecost? Oh, it's going to be such a big deal. You're going to love this. But I'm going to give you the book of Acts. So this angel gives you a physical document. And it's the book of Acts, 1 through 28, chapters 1 through 28. And you have it and you get to read it for 10 years. And you get to see, oh, man, there's going to be this Paul guy. Well, first, he's really bad. He's like this Saul guy. That's okay. We're going to forgive him because he's going to turn into a good guy. And, and oh, my gosh, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is awesome. What is this tongues thing? Man, I cannot wait to see what that looks like. This is going to be wild. And for 10 years, you and your buddies, because you find the other guys that are written in the book, Okay, you and your buddies for 10 years, you study the book of Acts as a future game plan, as a future playbook. How incredibly helpful would that have been for those apostles? I mean, that would have been epic. God has done that for you. It's called the book of Revelation. Only it's not 10 years. He's given it to us from the beginning. And it tells you that kind of detail about your future. This is why it's so important that we understand the book of Revelation. I just gave you in there what the, the purpose of the storyline was, or, or uh, as Acts is being introduced. It says, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he'd chosen, he said to them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was, this was the entry point of, you know, what was the book of Acts going to be about? It was about these apostles being God's witnesses and doing certain things for him. And then the whole book of Acts then tells their story. The primary purpose of Acts, yes, it was a history lesson. I mean, for us, it's a great reflective history lesson. It's massively encouraging. I don't know how many times I've read through the book of Acts or how many times a church has done a study on the book of Acts or how many times we prayed verse of, verses from the book of Acts. And it's just massively encouraged us to be like, man, this is God. He's like this. And he still does this. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and this, is, this is what God is like. We can believe that God would do these things in our lives. So it's massively encouraging. But I think in this day and age, in this hour, 
one of the most important and possibly most neglected, not neglected for any wrong, bad reasons, just neglected because we just didn't know we could read it this way. I think one of the most important and one of the most neglected uh, benefits of the book of Acts is to see it as lessons for the church of the future. To see the book of Acts as the dress rehearsal for what's coming in the future. And to learn lessons from the book of Acts about what things will be like in the future. Now, just to give you a few of those lessons, this is not by any means all of them, just kind of a few that just kind of came to mind. How we're to handle persecution. You know, a very normal human desire related to persecution is run away and make that stop as fast as possible. But that's not what they did. That's not what happened in the book of Acts. Another lesson, to see what a move of the Holy Spirit looks like. We have so little understanding of what a move of the Holy Spirit in a generation looks like, but we've got the book of Acts. To see how the apostolic church leadership functioned and should function. To see how apostolic leadership functions. What does that look like when the, when the church is operating according to its purpose? And what, what does that look like when apostles are in place and, and the church is, is marching together in unity? I mean, there's a hundred lessons there. To see the model of lifestyle of prayer that the church embraced. How did the church live in the hour of the book of Acts? How will the church need to live in the future? To just see that, to go, what did it look like? Countless other lessons. Primary purpose of the book of Revelation, I believe, is to give us a second Acts season. Part of the reason that we have the book of Acts is it was to tell us what was happening to tell us what did life look like? It's not enough. Just think about how heartbroken we would be if all we were given related to that time period of the early church was, yeah, it was cool. There were some apostles. They were teaching some people and a bunch of people got saved. And it was just one phrase, or, you know, one string of phrases like that, one little couple of sentences that was in some other book in the New Testament and pretend that's all we got about that season of the launch of the early church. That would be heartbreaking because it was such an important moment in the church's reality, history, and story. We have another, even more massively important moment in the church's history and storyline, and it's the future. It's the return of Jesus and the time frame around the return of Jesus. And we've got something to look forward to. It's a second Acts season. What will we face? What does the future hold? Seeing how God will fight for us. One of the most exciting things for me related to the book of Revelation is to see how fiercely God will fight for the people of God and for what is right and for the purposes of the kingdom. One of the things that I think makes us so easily bored in America is we are so well provided for. We have so many things that there is very little revelation of our need for God and God feels so distant, oftentimes, for many believers in America. How great it is, how exciting it is to see God showing up loud, unmistakable, and fighting for his purposes, for his people, and for the kingdom of God. That is a really excited, uh, exciting idea. And it's one that the book of Revelation conveys very loudly. The book of Revelation 
also tells us a lot about how to live, how we should carry ourselves. Now, what we're going to do in this second section is we're going to make some comparisons. <clears throat> These are not all the comparisons we could make. There's probably an endless number, so I just selected a few that I wanted to talk about. I want to encourage you, find the 500 I didn't list. But I want to encourage you to find the comparisons and to, to think about the comparisons between the book of Acts and the book of Revelation, some of the lessons, some of the parallels between these two. And again, I'm going to look at just a few. And then uh, I want to encourage you to go on a journey of reading the book of Acts and reading the book of Revelation, maybe even at the same time, you know, Acts in the morning, Revelation at night, and start making notes about the ways that these two books have so many common themes and purposes, because it's an important reality that the church needs to walk into in this coming season. The way that this works is, on the points that I'm going to make here in part two, is I'm going to give you uh, just a... Uh, title header of a way that they're related. Then we'll look at how that manifested in Acts with a verse or two. And then we'll look at how that manifested in Revelation with a verse or two. And in some cases, how that will manifest in the end times of which the book of Revelation is painting the end time picture. All right. Victory focused. The church in both the book of Revelation and the church of Acts, the story is the church is awesome and doing awesome and God is with the church and the church is walking in victory. Not shame, not sadness, not woe is me, walking in victory. And that's a powerful concept in the book of Acts. Look at Acts 4.4. 4. Many who heard the message believed, so the number of men uh, who believed grew to about 5,000. Just one of many ways that the church was operating in victory and, and moving forward. But look at this verse in Revelation 7. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I don't know if you caught this. A countless number coming out of the great tribulation, giving their lives to Jesus. We're talking about the same kind of victory in the great tribulation that we've got in the period of the book of Acts. Only the numbers have got a lot more zeros on it. Okay, like a lot more zeros. All right? That's victory. How about the role of martyrdom? Martyrdom is a key theme in both the book of Acts and the book of Revelation, but not to be feared. You just saw that the church was walking in victory. But the book of Acts has many verses that describe martyrdom. Look at Acts 5. When they heard this, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. Acts 12, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Just a couple of verses you could find so many in the book of Acts. Here's my point. The period of the book of Acts, there was much martyrdom. But in the period of Revelation, <coughs> in the last generation, there's going to be much martyrdom only with zeros. More zeros. It's going to get more intense. 
I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony of, to Jesus. Revelation 17, 6. Revelation 20, verse 4. I saw the souls of those that had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and the word of God. They'd not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. Just want us to see there this subject of martyrdom and persecution and difficulty, this subject of having to face the evil men of the day. In the book of Acts, it was the religious crowd that were you know, leading in that hour. In the book of Revelation, it's the Antichrist government. And in both cases, the church stands strong against that opposition. And there will be many martyred as a result. How about the church in operation? This is just like the, just the way that the church was flowing. I find it interesting that the book of Revelation gives us so much detail about the way that the church is going to operate and look and stuff the church is going to do. But that was the entire purpose of the book of Acts, was to see what the church was doing, what the church was up to. A lot of times we think about Revelation and we think only end time storyline. We don't think church storyline. And it's very important that we start to see that point. Book of Acts. Look at this. Just looking about the way that the church was operating. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Acts 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, just a normal thing, just being together, worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went to Seleucia and they proclaimed the word of God. I just want us to see the normalness of the church together, praying, fasting, being led of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit then leading them off, them going off and doing things and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, just the operation of the church. But now look at Revelation, just a couple of verses. Again, there's many, but look at the church in Revelation. The wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. <clears throat> the bride making herself ready doesn't happen in five minutes. It happens over a period of years, probably decades. The church is going to be making herself ready in righteousness and walking with the Lord. Look at this though, Revelation 19, 13 through 14. We see the church again in those same white, you know, uh, white array. Now it says, he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him. And they're riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Same description that was given about the relationship to the church and what she's given and what she wears. These are verses about the church's activity. There's many of them. I mean, I didn't give you all the verses. I just picked out a couple. There's many verses describing the way that the church operated in Acts and the way that the church will operate during the period of the book of Revelation. Next one, prayer and power. Now we think about the, all that the word of God has to say about prayer and power and our hearts yearn, they ache to see God move powerfully on behalf of his people. Our, our souls just yearn and, and, and are stirred at the thought process that we would pray and God would do the unthinkable because we prayed it. The book of Acts shows that over and over. And so does the book of Revelation. Only on a global scale, in a much bigger way, in a much more powerful way. We want to be thinking about the book of Revelation describing that relationship. 
Look at the book of Acts. Acts 4.30. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they'd prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Can you just imagine? They prayed, God, do stuff. Show up and be big. And all of a sudden, God grabs the building and shakes it like a snow globe. And they go, oh my gosh, we prayed that you'd be big and then you shook the building. And they were filled both with the natural awe, the natural like unstable, a couple of them probably got, you know, scraped knees, falling down. They were shaken. I mean, their physical frame was shaken, but they were also in that moment, there was an impartation of boom, the power of the Holy Spirit, filling them. Then with boldness, they went out and they proclaimed the gospel. I mean, that's powerful. And it's prayer. Prayer and power in relationship in the book of Acts, a, an established, understood doctrine of the book of Acts, prayer and power in conjunction with one another. But let's see it in the book of Revelation. Revelation uh, 8, another angel was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. And the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hands and there came a peal of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This sounds exactly like what happened in Acts. Acts chapter four, there was a building shake. Here there's an earthquake. Then what happens? Then the first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled on the earth. Oh my gosh. The prayers of the saints get upgraded. And now the prayers of the saints, not just shaking buildings, that's just the starting point. That's just the proof that the ignition is on. Then what happens? Then the judgments of God start being released from the sky. The angels' trumpets start blasting. Hail and fire and blood are now coming out of the sky because the saints prayed. See, we want to be seeing the parallels. The book of Acts, we understand when the church prays, powerful stuff happens. In the end times, when the church prays, even more powerful stuff will happen. Tabernacle of David. For those of you who this is not a subject you've spent a lot of time on, just ask somebody later. But for those of you who know what I'm talking about, the Tabernacle of David in the book of Acts, this, this, this subject is it's, a, a, uh, it's reintroduced in the book of Acts. And it's reintroduced in the book of Acts, stating it's an end time fulfillment. So I just want you to connect the dots there. In the first century church, in the book of Acts time frame, God says, hey, I want you guys to talk about this tabernacle of David thing. It's really important. But I want you to include when you prophesy it that it's not going to happen until the end times. So I want them to understand that everything about the fullness of this is actually an end time reality, i.e. a book of Revelation time frame reality, okay? So say it in Acts, but make sure to include language that everybody understands. The fullness of this isn't going to happen until right before the, the, uh, the events of the end times, that generation, and even beyond, okay? So in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, verse 16 and 18. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, these things known from long ago. 
Okay, so this is the book of Acts. The apostles are told, make a big deal about this uh, tabernacle of David thing, this fallen tent. Tell them, I'm going to rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. I'm going to raise it back up. But also tell them that it's going to be in the last days. That's this in the, uh, that's, uh, the language there. Um, after this, I will return and I will rebuild. That thought process, uh, end times language. Well, in the book of Revelation, it's actually going to be the time frame. And these things are going to be happening. But really, that's no different than Jesus prophesying uh, Mark chapter 11. He said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? I want to focus on that will be called because it's Jesus promising something. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, meaning that that has to happen or Jesus told a fib and Jesus doesn't lie. So I promise you that's going to happen. Well, what does that happening look like when you're talking about the people of God scattered all over the earth and now it's predominantly a Gentile church across the earth? It looks like God rebuilding the fallen tabernacle of David where all the Gentiles are across the earth. We're talking about Acts chapter 15 reaching its fullness in the last generation as Jesus gets his way and says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It will be. Now, I just gave you a few. I want to encourage you, letter F there is just a little provocation, little go for it on your own. Spend some time looking at this subject on your own because you want to, uh, to glean the comparison points between these two books because they're overt. I mean, just saying it, there's a, there's a, uh, a bunch of similarities between the book of Revelation and the book of Acts. Now that I've said it, you go look for them and you'll find them. You'll see a ton of them. Because that was always intended for the church to understand, I've already given the church a dry run, a dress rehearsal of what it looks like when I show up in power in a very important, pivotal moment in the church's history. I've already shown you, I gave you the book of Acts. But now I've also given you the book of Revelation and I've told you what the next pivotal moment in church history will be. I've told you how it will go and how that will look and feel. I want you to see the comparisons and study these two things. All right, part three. Just a few major takeaways from the book of Revelation. You know, we're, we're wrapping up this series with this session and the next. A couple of uh, wrap-up takeaway points related to this idea of the book of Acts being an end-time, uh, or rather the book of Revelation being an end-time book of Acts. It's telling the end-time story of the church. I gave you there Revelation 1.1. And also Revelation 22, 16. The revelation, that's what the book of Revelation is. The revelation from Jesus, which God gave Jesus to show his servants, the church, what must soon take place to show his servants the future. We've been given the book of Revelation to tell the end time story of the church. Do you notice it wasn't that I gave the book of Revelation, this revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to just tell the future events. He focuses on to tell the servants of God, the church, to tell the church the future. That's the purpose. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give this testimony for the churches. The book of Revelation is not future, telling, uh, future storytelling only. It's future storytelling for the church so that the church can understand the future. The church needs to recognize that 
The book of Revelation is the end time story of the church's victory. The end time story of the church. Well, second, similarly, but we need to understand the nuances here. It's not just the story, it's the battle plan. Okay, now I want you to think about, you know, conventional war and the battle plan. If you've ever seen, you know, some, you know, movie or, or documentary or whatever where they've got the, the big table and it's kind of set up to look like the battlefield and, you know, wherever the nations are and the borders and they've got the tanks in the certain spots and they're like, okay, we're going to position this way and then we're going to send reinforcements this way. I want you to picture that, but now I want you to imagine that the battle strategy isn't that big table, it's the book of Revelation. It's the book of Revelation, which was given to show the church the crazy battle we're going into. And not only to show the church the battle, to describe the nuances of what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and in what order it occurs. This is unbelievable. It's a battle strategy that can't fail, that we get to be a part of, and that we get to know ahead of time. I mean, that is so profound. Just imagine what a one-up that general has if he was told by God exactly how the battle is going to go. You know, next week, they're preparing for this war. He's told exactly this is going to happen and this, and then these guys are going to do this, but don't worry, your guys are going to do this, and then I'm going to send fire from heaven and do this, and then, and then this is going to happen, and then everybody back up because this thing's going to happen, and then everybody advance. How crazy of a one-up that would be for that general to then lead his troops into certain victory. The Lord has given us an end time battle strategy to lead us into certain victory. That's exactly what we have in the book of Revelation. So it's not just a story, it's a battle strategy. But it's not just a battle strategy, it's a prayer manual. A prayer manual, I want you to think about that for a second. I was doing one of these consulting trips this past weekend with a house of prayer and this lady, she comes up to me and she's hungry, she's eager. And she says, um, is there a, a prayer manual anywhere that tells, this was such a crazy question, I didn't even know what to do with it. She said, is there, is there a prayer manual anywhere that tells the church everything God wants us to pray? And I went, oh my gosh, I mean, and I, I said, I said, tell me what you mean. She goes, you know, like what exactly we're supposed to be praying in, in government? What are we supposed to be praying in our neighborhoods? And what are we supposed to be praying for our families? And, what? and she said, is there a book? Has anyone written a book? Has, every, has anyone taken everything out of the Bible that God ever said he wanted us to pray for and put it into a manual? And I want that manual. Where do I get it? I go, lady, I, write it. I don't know. That's it's really intense. Like... Wow. I mean, I think you'd be really busy. I, my suggestion to her was, don't do that. My suggestion was, ask God what you're supposed to pray for, and you pray for that, and then let the person down the street ask the same question, and hopefully God will give them some different answers than you, because this, to me, sounds like you'll be very busy. Uh, so, so anyway, that was my suggestion. But, but what we have in the book of Revelation is we have an end-time prayer manual that tells us what to be praying for related to culture. What to be praying for related to protection, related to persecution, related to endurance, related to the events that are going to be happening, related to judgment. There's a ton of information in the book of Revelation that we want to understand as the Lord giving the church an end time prayer manual, not just how to, you know, live the story, not just the battle strategy, the war that we're in, 
But a prayer manual, what we should actually be praying and when. That is incredibly helpful. We won't have to wonder. We'll be able to, when things start unfolding, and by the way, <coughs> we're in the generation leading up to it. We're seeing some of the early things of the book of Revelation unfolding now. Early. I don't think we're, you know, you know, 10 years out. I think it's still some time. But we're starting to see some things that are starting to take place that we can see in the book of Revelation. It's already starting to inform us about how we should pray about what we should be doing and giving ourselves to in, the, in this uh, realm of prayer. But as things start to unfold real time, as we read the book of Revelation, you'll actually be able to turn the page in your Bible and start praying that page, that verse. And then, oh, that just happened. Now we'll go to the next verse or chapter and start praying that. It's a detailed prayer manual. This has got to be the richest resource for the prayer movement in the end times. A prayer manual that describes what we're actually going to be praying and concerning ourselves with as things unfold. All right. Well, we're going to break up into groups. Yeah. So uh, the question is, how do we overcome fear uh, in relationship to all that's prophesied, all that we're told is coming in the book of Revelation? And even as a comparison point of all the difficulties that they faced uh, in uh, the book of Acts. And so, you know, I think that um, one of the things that has to transition, and I'm confident that it's going to, because Revelation 19 tells us that the bride has made herself ready. Now, I want us to think about what made herself ready means. She was able to endure the great tribulation. She was good to go. That's what made herself ready in one sense. I mean, it means a lot of things. But it means she was good. She was ready. She was prepared. She was able. Now, what that demands, I mean, it, it for sure demands it. Now, I'm not looking at this as, hey, therefore, get with it. I think there's a little bit of get with it. But I am confident this is going to happen. Right now, the church is so mostly uh, filled up with ideas from the world and not ideals from the Bible. We are mostly influenced by the world and not the word of God. We will never make it in that state. But the Lord is like, oh, I like you guys. I'm going to help you. Part of the way I'm going to help you is I'm going to cause you lots and lots of problems. And those problems are going to freak you out of your mind. And then you're going to go to the word of God and get rooted so that you'll be ready for real problems that are coming. Because the period of the birth pangs, which we've entered into, I believe, they're just the starting point. It's, it's, it's going to get way worse than that. But during the period of the birth pangs, which probably lasts a couple decades, I don't know, it doesn't say, it just, but if you liken the concept of how long does a woman have labor pains, and then how many, you know, minutes or tens of minutes, hopefully, is she an active push out? Okay? How long does she have birth pains? A lot longer, hopefully, than the push out. You know, the push out is kind of like the, ah, and the push out is the great tribulation. Okay. Well, if the great tribulation is three and a half years, then it likened in Jesus's thought process of calling the period of the birth pains um, a, uh, a longer season. We actually are going to be forced into preparation by the difficulties that are coming. I think the first global pandemic that we just experienced, and I'm calling it the first because there are absolutely more coming and they'll be worse. 
are going to cause us to reach for Jesus, love the word, know our Bibles, draw close together. The Lord is going to help us be made ready because we have to be that bride in Revelation 19 that's described because God said it's going to happen. So I'm not like, hey, you got to get with it. Again, I think we need to get with it, but that's not really the point at this point. The point at this point is it's going to happen. We will be ready. So part of the way that we prepare for what's coming is we get sober now and we think about life now and, and we start to think about our lives now in light of what does the Bible say? The Bible says you're going to live forever. So if you die, who cares? I mean, I don't want to be like crass, but we're like, we're really distracted by things that don't matter and really not thinking at all about things that do. You're going to live forever. If you love Jesus, you will live forever. We'll cry when you die because we don't get to see you anymore. You won't be crying. You will be very much not crying. You'll be laughing at us. You suckers are still down there. Ha ha. Okay? You won't be crying. So the subject of fear of death is actually a complete lack of understanding of what the Bible says. Now, I recognize we've got all the emotions, but here's the problem. We've watched one million movies about dying, and we've read the Bible's account on death and the resurrection and what happens to us, like, for a few minutes. That's not going to work. Of course we're freaked out of our mind because we've been feeding on a different narrative than the true one. So the Lord's going to help us by causing problems, the season of the birth pains, and, and we're going to be drawn into the narrative. And so he is going to help us in this. But if you want the most, you know, Brad, please stop, you know, lots of words. Just tell us what to do. Read your Bible and believe it. I mean, if we'll actually engage the word and believe what it says and then go, Lord, you know what? I actually, I'm reading this verse and I don't believe it, but I know I should. So help me, help me in my unbelief. The Lord goes, oh, I'll meet you there. I love that. And he'll help us along. So we do have a journey. But actually, the Lord, I believe, right now in 2022, is helping us get ready for Revelation 19. The, the bride has made herself ready. Uh, and then at the end of Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come, and Jesus actually appears in the sky. And so we're, we're being made ready by a period, a much longer period than the tribulation. A much longer period of birth pains uh, is a preparation point for us. So great question. And and has really practical answer, too, to like the here and now. It really does come down to perspective. We need to start getting our a biblical perspective and not believe the Bible a little bit, but mostly think of ourselves as an American living in 2022. We want to be thinking of ourselves as I'm mostly a person living in the kingdom of God. I am a believer in Jesus, and I also live in America. And, and that's just kind of a flip-flop in perspective. All right, Luke. So uh, in Acts chapter 4, we see uh, the church is told about all some of the negative things that are happening. The church goes into a prayer meeting, or was already in one probably, and, uh, and starts to intercede. And then, boom, the Holy Spirit shows up. They get filled with power, and then they go out preaching the gospel. And it was kind of, it was almost like the Holy Spirit's way 
for the church to navigate the problems was, oh yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. I'll just give you power. And then you won't even be concerned about the bad things. You'll just be advancing the kingdom so violently that you won't even be thinking about a couple people going to jail and a few people getting martyred. You're just going to be on mission. And the question was more or less, how does that have some parallel, you know, with the book of Revelation? Well, one of the things that we know, and remember when we say the book of Revelation, we're also meaning the end time storyline. So the other 150 chapters in the Bible about the end times, they're applicable to Revelation because it's the same story, uh, just in different parts of the Bible. So I'm just thinking about Matthew chapter 24. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And what was Jesus was just talking about persecution and difficulty. He's talking about the end of the age. The very next verse is, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So I think that the church is going to be on mission in very much the same way uh, with some nuances and some end timeness about it. But I think the church is going to be on mission very much like the church of Acts was on mission as a way to navigate the pressure and, and to move things forward. You know, one of the things that's interesting is difficulty causes a softening of hearts. It also causes hardening, but Tuesdays cause hardening of hearts, so we're used to that. Um, but we're just glad for anything that softens. The churches were filled after 9-11 for a period of time. They were filled because that was shocking and it was, it was unnerving and it was uncomfortable. And the churches, people went to church because they wanted to go, what is going on and what do I do? And let me get right with God. Bad things will actually cause a tremendous shaking and stirring. And then people are going to, a bunch of people are going to wind up getting serious about their relationship with God. And, and then they're going to go out and find other people who are freaked out of their minds. 9-11 sort of problems and much, much worse. And those people are going to be much easier to talk to about Jesus. They're actually going to be receptive. The, the fish are going to be jumping into the boats and the nets are going to break. There's going to be such a great evangelistic harvest such as we've never seen before. And it's actually going to be relationship to the pressure and relationship to the Lord's divine strategy of using that divine moment of shaking to put his church out and preach the word. And again, that's that the time period there, Revelation, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 24. These things are going to happen persecution, people are going to be losing their mind and dr and drunkenness and wickedness and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in that context and then the end will come, the second coming of Christ. So great question, Luke. Over here. Yeah, so one of the themes of the uh, book of Acts is that the church was together and not just together physically, but together like monetarily. They were together, you know, uh, geographically. They looked at it as like, hey, whatever we have together collectively as a community is what we have in order to be able to survive. And and uh, and people would sell fields and that kind of thing. And the question is, does that have parallel into the uh, the church of the Book of Revelation time frame? Absolutely, for all the same reasons. Right now, uh, if you talk to most Christians, and I mean, we're in this category. We're mostly thinking about our future in terms of the way our parents thought about the future. I got to have a 401k. I need to work on my retirement. Uh, Social Security is still going to exist in a few years. Wow, we're not really handling that real well. Uh, you know, what do I, how many years do I need to work in order to save up? I want to make sure that I've got this taken care of and this. When, when, every, when the floor drops out and we're all trying to not get martyred, and we're praying for the, the seals and trumpets to be released on the planet, we're not going to be concerned about our 401k. No one will have that thought. Furthermore, when we get to the very end, 
we will know how many days are left before the second coming. You recognize when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple, there's three and a half years left. You can count the days. We will know exactly how many days. You're like, well, Social Security isn't going to matter. I mean, this thing's over in two years, in one year, in three months. I mean, we're not going to be thinking that. Well, you're not going to be hedging yourself in to protect yourself and your family, you know, for the future and setting yourself. We're going to go, how do we make it through this week? Any guy, anybody getting potatoes? Let's just pray these potatoes multiply and we'll lay hands on potatoes and they will multiply. And then we'll all eat potatoes. Okay, And there will be many other things. We'll pray for safety and we'll go, Lord, you know, veil this house. Let the you know, modern day Gestapo just drive right by. And they will. It's like the house will be invisible. We'll be praying. There will be a million. Th- and we'll be together. And it's going to be awesome and probably stinky because they'll turn off the water on us. And I mean, it's going to be really, really together and interesting. So the parallel, this is one of those like, Go read the book of Revelation and the book of Acts and find the parallels. The parallel between the way that the church operated in the book of Acts and the way that the church will operate again by necessity in the time period of the book of Revelation, I mean, that is a, I mean, perfect parallel. Now, I'll also throw this in. Right now, there's not that level of need, so it's not necessary that we're doing it to that degree right now, okay? And the, the, even the time frame of the way that the church operated in other peacetime moments, it didn't look like everybody all huddled together, everybody sold everything, that everything, all had the same stuff in common. I think that there's a measure of Christian generosity, you know, uh, you know, Christian charity, loving one another that we absolutely take away, but not everybody needs to go sell their house. We need to go live in a commune together somewhere right now. But the time's coming where those things will organically happen because of the pressure and the intensity. It will actually be the, the plan and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in that day. So be generous. Let people stay at your house. Love people. Give them your potato. But right now, there's not like a marching order from heaven. Everybody needs to do Acts 2. It's, we're not in Acts 2 right now. But a time is coming when we'll be in Acts 2 again. And the Holy Spirit's going to say it. I don't even think we'll have to hear him say it. We'll just know. That's my friend. John, yes, of course you can come stay with us. Your house just got blown up. Yes. Now you live with us. You know, it's like I, you're not going to have you and your kids walking around barefoot in the park. Like, I mean, you're coming to live with us. It's just, it'll be really simple, you know, and we'll figure out how to make it all work. Okay. Great questions. Worship team leader, somebody come on up. These were great questions. All right. Well, Father, we ask you for your help that you would make the word of God make so much sense. And we thank you for the book. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.